like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Hey, we are feeling good. We are feeling really good. And this is a crazy, crazy building. And it's, it sounds great up here. I hope it sounds great up there. Um, it's, uh... Now here's the thing. We've only played... We've only played Frankfurt one other time. One, once and only once. And that was four months and 30 years ago. So, not only are we very glad to be back 30 years later, we're just glad to be fucking alive as well. I'm glad you are too. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and last week we did our first show from the 2022 tour as we went back to may and covered fresno and what we said we would do this whole entire month was we would cover one per leg and in this episode we're actually going to do europe so the one and i remind you guys that this was a vote that you guys voted on we loved all the decisions but it was not our decision it was your decision and for the european shows you could have picked amsterdam you could have picked hyde park either show there was a lot of good things out there but you guys made the decision that it was going to be frankfurt and I think you made a good decision because we have a lot to get into about why this show is kind of important for this year and important for this tour. So we can just do that right now. Randy Sobel over here, John Ferrar over there. Hello, hello. No, Hi. We're, uh, we're staying in 2022. These are fresh in the memory. I definitely like remember watching this live stream. So this will be nice and easy to talk about. I remember the live stream, but mostly where I was because this summer what would happen is if there was a show I would usually go for a walk with my son I'd usually take him in the stroller and go for a walk because beautiful summer day you got to get out so I would be kind of checking up on set lists and, and stuff like that and the updates and stuff like that 
And I just remember walking around and, and seeing everything that would come up from the opener and inside job to, you know, last exit and being like, oh, finally they played that to, you know, fatal and just being surprised. And like every other song felt like there was a big surprise happening. And I think I turned on the live stream later, you know, when we got home or something like that. But this year was really good for that. And we thank all the people that, you know, went out of their way to do stuff like this for, for us and us, I mean, everybody, the fans and kind of gave us a glimpse as to what was happening because otherwise we would have had no idea. And maybe we wouldn't have even had the connection to the show. Yeah, definitely. Those people like put in the work that's your, you know, you're sacrificing a lot to do that and you got to come prepared, but we got to see almost all of them, I think. And these were cool, yeah, because like it was, it was in the afternoon because you know five six hours ahead, so we were getting in kind of the late afternoons. It was kind of good timing to kind of hang out and watch a little bit. So yeah, it was fun. So I think that this show is important because there was a little bit. All right, so when the West Coast ended and it ended abruptly, you know that Fresno show that we did last week was the was the the end. And it wasn't supposed to be. There was supposed to be Sacramento. There was supposed to be Vegas. I don't think I have to explain that to you guys. But, you know, there are people that are going to be listening to this, hopefully, in 2028 that might not know. So there you go. Then after that, when they started the European tour, they started a Pink Pop. So it was a festival. So it didn't feel like a massive Pearl Jam show. The same way, like, festivals just kind of, it's hits and it's good. But it doesn't feel like it's for us. So there were a couple of those kind of shows to start and even Berlin felt like a little bit of a disappointment because those Berlin shows are usually pretty incredible. And yeah, the a, lot set of, a lot of people had that one circled and it was pretty underwhelming from what I remember. Yeah, the set list was just yeah. playing it really safe. You know, there were special moments. I think that porch was extremely special from that show for a lot of reasons, but they didn't really differentiate at that show at all. And I think that maybe the first couple, they were just sort of warming up. And then I think Zurich was after that. And Zurich had like one or two things like, okay, but still not something I've gone back to yet. Listening to most of these bootlegs and getting reacclimated with them. I haven't listened to Zurich yet, but Imola happened before this. And I feel like Imola out of all of what I just said was like the first performance wise that was just red hot the crowd in italy was fantastic i have to believe here that they felt comfortable at the show and they felt like more of the band than ever it's not like losing matt and then getting him back and it's not like that period of like okay we have to figure it out and no it's it's not that it's just that i think it was just kind of like early tour nerves then you get to frankfurt and you know, this is the gateway to what the rest of the year would be because they start bringing back songs, like I mentioned in the intro, that are the ones that we go out and seek to make it really feel like a hardcore fan show. Well, it felt like this was kind of the turning point where it was like, okay, that's what a Pearl Jam show is and like kind of what we were more used to it being with surprises and things popping up and little runs of songs and you know kind of unexpected things i remember thinking frankfurt was the one where it kind of turned from like oh this is kind of this has been a little awkward a little tentative up to now to like 
okay, they're getting, like you said, they're getting warmed up. They're hitting a good run. They're feeling more comfortable on stage now. And we're going to start to see some of that magic come back. Right. And also you have to think, I think the next two shows, I think Worker was two days later. And then Stockholm was three days later. So those were going to be festivals and those shows. I don't think I watched Stockholm at all. I don't think I've ever listened to that show. I think I watched a little bit of Worker or at least followed along enough. But I think they needed one to get that confidence, especially because the next weekend is going to be the two Hyde Park shows. I think you needed a really good one in between all of that before Hyde Park to really feel like this year was up and running. This is the one that people saw and was like, here we go again. Like this, this is the one where people looked at it and went, that's a good set list, good performances. That's the one we want to talk about. So if you guys remember, and if you guys were keeping tabs on live on four legs.com this summer, you might remember that we had Aurelian. He has been a longtime listener since like day one and, you know, just a, a great friend and a great human being. And he wrote a running blog for the European shows that he went to. And he went to most of them. And he, he did in right in the middle. He, he uh, you know, he he caught COVID. So he missed a couple of them in the middle. But this one he speaks really, really highly of and really wanted to get a chance to share his story. So I'm going to read his right here. Frankfurt was my fourth show of the tour after Pink Pop, Berlin, and Zurich. Imola was not on my plan, and it did not turn out as the epic and mammoth show that the Italian fans predicted. I was wondering what show Pearl Jam could propose in a city that they had not visited for 30 years. Would we have a throwback set with lots of songs from 10, or a career-spanning set, or something similar to the first shows of the tour? As soon as I entered the venue, I had the instant feeling that this old venue would inspire the band way more than a racetrack. The venue is an old arena that opened up in 1909. It is very particular, as there is a massive central dome in the middle of it. It is sure one of the most beautiful venues that I had ever been to for a live show. The GA section was divided into three sections, and I decided to watch the show from the back of the first one in order to have more space when the show would begin. I could have been in the fifth row, but I was not feeling 100% okay. Standing back seemed to be a cautious move. The band got on stage early that night, and Mike started to play the first chords of Inside Job. The other members of the band gradually joined him on stage for a tremendous rendition of the song. Starting with this soaring song was a smart move, and I only realized after the show that Inside Job was definitely not a common opener. The band went full steam with a punk mini-set composed of Animal Last Exit, Why Go and Mind Your Manners, a first in this leg. Ed greeted the audience and mentioned that it was good to be back after so many years. The energy was high with Interstellar Overdrive in the corduroy. The interaction with the crowd was awesome, as always in Germany. The band played a slower song, and while it was great, the name of the song escaped me for the first verse, which made me feel dumb while relaying the set list to Live on Four Legs and Live Footsteps. The answer was fatal. It was a holy shit moment for lots of fans around me. I had been fortunate enough to see this song once and never thought I would see it a second time. Elderly Woman followed up with its hello moment. That's the kind of song that makes you feel part of a community. Then a couple songs later, I got my holy shit moment with Garden. This song was the only one from 10 that I was missing, and I always have an attachment to it since the first time I heard it 30 years ago. Needless to say, I was thrilled to hear the song, completely stricken by the dual guitar and the unconventional solo. Later in the set, the band decided to continue with the surprises by playing Buckle Up. 
That song generated a lot of controversy upon the release of Gigaton. Some praised the song, others ridiculed it. I was on the praising side. The mood of the song is really unusual for a Pearl Jam song. The lyrics are so interesting and subject to interpretation. The live rendition was more electric than the acoustic version on the album, and I think it served the song well in a live setting. The reception in the room was mixed, but I did not care at all, enjoying the song as if it was played especially for me. While it might look strange on paper, the Buckle Up Better Man transition was flawless, so flawless that it made me appreciate Better Man way more than I usually do. This encore break was really short, as if the band wanted to play everything that they had in mind. At that point, I started to feel a bit feverish and attribute it to the fact that there was no air conditioning in the venue. I was able to completely obstruct my body state when I understood that Rivercross would finally be played. This song had been crossed off too many times during this tour. The band then went back and did old songs like State of Love and Trust into a live. These two very energetic songs did not signal the end of the show, as also we got indifference. The song has striking lyrics, and for a special show, you need a special ending. As soon as the show ended, I went outside to get a breath of fresh air. The night was beautiful, and I just witnessed one of the best Pearl Jam shows I'd ever attended. My first Pearl Jam show was on June 27, 2012, and I only realized after the show that it was the 10th year anniversary. Similarly to 2012, the flow was really good, and we got a couple of rarities mixed in with staples, and the crowd was really friendly and participative. This show marked a turning point in the European leg as the band started to be more confident and adventurous. The three-hour drive back home went quickly and the exhaustion only popped up when I arrived at home at 3.30 in the morning. The next day was not so great though. As it turned out, I was COVID positive. Constantly wearing a mask was apparently not sufficient. Well, thank you again, Aurelian. And it's always great to talk to you, hear from you. And hopefully we can get you on the show at some point soon. That'd be great. John in there, he talked a little bit about the venue. What do you think of the venue? We got some of the pictures and some video like as the show was happening or right before, and everyone was saying just how amazing this looks. I think Ed even comments on it early on. They're like, this is an incredible-looking arena, one of the most beautiful places I think they've they've played in a long time. It looks incredible. The architecture just looks amazing, so well done. I mean, it, I have to think if they, if they go back to Europe, they're going to circle this as a place to go back to just because of how incredible it looks. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he mentioned it a bunch of times there that they hadn't been back to Frankfurt since 1992. I think when you think about Germany, you're thinking about Berlin. That's going to be the one spot to hit, of course. But then there's also been some of these other places that have like one and dones. We talked about Hamburg, Dusseldorf. They played like once or twice. Munich, sure. And it seems like they kind of dabble within and out of Germany. But yeah, I, I would really like to see. And honestly, I'd like to witness a show there because it's so beautiful. You know what I mean? Like sure. sometimes after a while, you're like, yeah, I'd go anywhere to go see a Pearl Jam show. But really, it's anywhere to go see a Pearl Jam experience. And you want great acoustics. You want a great surrounding. And yeah, I think that this might have been the coolest place they even played all year. Yeah, perhaps. I see that. Yeah. The question of the week here in a show where they cater to the hardcore, loyal fans more than the casuals, by that saying it's not a festival show, but it's it's one of those where it's an unpredictable, anything can happen type show where you are getting stuff that you don't see every day. 
what songs do you think would be the best option to play that you would get excited for? There were a lot of interesting answers here. There were a lot of interesting answers. So uh, I'm going to talk to Justin Lewis right now. He says, Sonic Reducer and I Am a Patriot, because at the time of downloading rare B-side Pearl Jam songs, I never thought I would actually hear any of them live. And then I ended up hearing both at the same show in 2003 in Cleveland, along with Driven to Tears and Crazy Mary and Rockin' the Free World. That's a lot of covers for one night. That's interesting that, that you'd go covers when thinking about like sort of the, the rare stuff that Pearl Jam does. Cause usually when you do consider that you're just like, okay, you know, let's go to no code. Let's go to binaural, like those kind of songs in that wheelhouse of stuff. They almost never play. Pearl Jam does very well with, with covers. So I, I get it. It's not, it's not, nothing wrong with Sonic Reducer. I didn't say there was anything wrong with Sonic Reducer. I just find it interesting. That was a different answer. I like different answers. From Nick Smith, good friend Nick Smith, he says super rarities like Angel and Bugs obviously don't happen too often, and he wants to hear Just a Girl, which will probably not happen at all. Chris, our website designer, said Inside Job, Sad, Hold On, or anything from Binaural at this point. Luke Daly said, I think the rarities that get saved for emotional moments, like Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, Army Reserve, Black, Red, Yellow, Dirty Frank, and Breath, they always seem to bring something extra out of the band. Love seeing them play them, and they always do justice. So those are, Breath, those are pretty good, good answers. Call. That, that'd probably yeah. be on my list, yeah. Yeah. I, I would stray away from stuff like that are the super, super rare stuff. So I think you have to go into any show and just be like you can't predict that because they've what played some of those songs that we just mentioned black red yellow dirty frank i think black red yellow is seven i think dirty frank is seven hold on i believe is five you can't go to shows and kind of expect that but inside job sad chloe crown army reserve even breath absolutely like those are songs 100 150 yeah 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 those are those are songs that i think you kind of consider at this point if you get that then you're getting something completely different than any other night mark kirby says think it all depends on what other songs are being played that aren't rarities rarities that are being played should fit in with the spirit of the show and the flow don't disagree but the three ones that I think have the most flexibility are Ghost, Marker in the Sand, and All or None. What do you think about those three? Ghost is tough. All or None, I think, is one that, that should definitely be played more, especially if they're going to keep doing the sit-down section in the, at the beginning of the show. I would love to see that pop up a little more regularly. That's a really good call. Uh, Simon says, <laughs> really? I had to say that? <laughs> Simon says, Fatal and Man of the Hour both often signify a special moment, a request, and a highlight of any show that I've attended. Those are good answers. Let's get to Twitter for a couple here. Ian says here, Undone, as I loved it from The Gorge in 2005. Angel, as it was on my first bootleg cassette that I had 25 years ago. And Fatal because of Ben Arroyo. So, okay, yeah, that's again going back really, That's those are really, really deep cuts. Those are so hard to predict. Those are so hard to predict that if they, it's like almost cherry on top if they happen, you know what I mean? Hey, got one here we're going to talk about today. We sure will. We have to finish off with this because, of course, we do. Dirty Frank. I think that speaks for itself. Yep. And if you want Dirty Frank, I said go to an Earthling show. I think that's your best yeah, bet. Yeah. 
Yep. All right, we're in for it here. Let's get into the show. And right off the bat, as mentioned before, shows can be defined by what opens it. And I think a lot of people can kind of make a guess as to how the night is going to go by the first song hitting. Release is like, okay, I think you're going to get a lot of big songs, a lot of the hits and a lot of the, the rockers. I think that Oceans is a little bit more deep cut. But now, what do you think when you get an opener that is being opened with for the fourth time and the first time since 2006, the first year that it actually got played live? Inside Job is the open to this show. And what's really cool about this is that it starts off with the band on stage. And I've never seen them do this before. And you, if you've seen them do it, then correct me. But I've never seen the whole entire band go on stage without Ed. And they get into the, like that tense intro, that mysterious intro of Inside Job. And you're just watching them. And I think there's a little anticipation like, okay, we know Ed's coming out, but when? When he does, it takes a couple minutes, but when he does, that crowd just explodes. Like, that in itself was a great moment just to witness. I didn't go back to the 2006 ones to see if he did that back then. But yeah, it's like, I don't know how I feel about this, because at some point it, it is a cool moment, but at some point, is it him, like, making it about him? Because they make a point to come on as a band and it's about the band, the, the five or six of them. Is he taking more of the thing? And maybe I'm reading too much into this. It's probably just a thing where like he wanted to get a little extra drink of water, get some honey tea or something before he had to come on and sing. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. I don't know. But it's a little bit of like a rock star move. Like a Freddie Mercury or a Bono thing to do. Or like That's like Bono-ish, yeah. I'm going to wait until I have to come out and make the big entrance and make it about me and get the big applause. Doesn't seem like something that Ed would be into, and I'm not going to read too much into it. It could have been just something simple, but the crowd definitely eats it up, and like it's tailor-made to have that moment where you build the anticipation, and then the guy comes out and you get the big round of applause. I didn't really see it as like the big rock star moment type deal. I know it's 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 big and get it's dramatic, of course, but like yeah. I think in ways that you two would do it, like they drop a big screen and there's Bono kind of deal. Other bands would do the same thing and and try to be like you two. I, I know I've seen these things before, of course. I'm gonna see it this way. I th- I think it was more of let's just get the band out there. Let's just listen to the band for a second because this is a really cool song that we almost never play. And then maybe Ed just wants to watch that and just wait for his moment to come. And again, like I said, they don't open with this at all. Haven't in over 15 years. Overall, I think this really works well as an opener. I thought it was just a wonderful opening track. Yeah. And you're taking a little bit of the identity from release and like the emotional aspect. And then... You know how release kind of soars towards the end and and it's a little bit of like a mix of long road and release because long road kind of he's starting out a little bit slow release he kind of do too but it has the cathartic moment like release but it's almost in that way when you add that in it's got like a given a fly aspect of it because that's the part that soars that's where mike goes off so it's a mixture of a couple of different style songs 
to get you into the show. But overall, the consensus is like this is a powerful emotional moment and you're getting hit with that right away and you're almost taken aback. Like, what else are we in for? Like, what does this lead to? Because there's so many question marks. Nobody remembers, and maybe the people that were at these shows do, but it's been so long ago. Nobody remembers how that feels and what kind of show that leads to. An inside job, too, is the longer song. I think you're looking at five and a half, six minutes. So you're giving the crowd a chance to kind of build with you and lead up to something. And they're using it to build up kind of the tension in the crowd and to that big ending. But yeah, inside job is an opener. I think you're looking at, at all bets are off for the, for the rest of the show. I think when we saw this come up on the stream, it was like, whoa, okay, this is going to be a cool one. terrific performance of this that got you to like the pinnacle height of where the song should always be fantastic stuff all right animal is getting into last exit and while animal's not considered a rare song by any stretch i think that you know the predictable like two spot song animals kind of fallen off in that aspect it can be played in the middle or and most of the most of this year was played in the middle of the set but sometimes in the beginning but i feel like as opposed to getting a corduroy here, as opposed to getting even like a Y Go or a Minor Manners, getting Animal feels like, okay, it's in that middle, like kind of a hit, kind of not a hit. So it feels like you're getting something good. And then Last Exit, it's the first performance of this for all of 2022. And I think that's one of the, the songs that you're like, this is a staple of Pearl Jam. How the heck are they not doing it? And finally it pops up and it starts to feel normal again. I think that's a lot of what this show is because going back to the shows that Cameron missed, there wasn't a lot of normal in 2022 so far. Absolutely. And this is a little bit of a throwback too, because you're getting the one song slow opener and then you've got a little bit of a punk rock set here. You talk about Animal Last Exit into Why Go and Mind Your Manners. That's four fast ones in a row, which we did not see a lot and we may not see again. So this felt like a little bit of a throwback here. I thought the crowd, especially coming off of Inside Job, the crowd just exploded on Animal and on Last Exit 2, they were very, very good. 
Yeah, crowd is going to be mentioned a lot in this show. This was a very, very good crowd. I think they saw the weight of the moment. And and I wouldn't be surprised if that inside job opener gave them the spark for the whole entire night. If that flame just never went out. Because yeah, yeah they were they were on it with just about everything. You know, outside of like one or two gigaton songs, they were they were really into it. Ed says, Good evening, does some back and forth with the crowd, and says, We're feeling really good up here. Compliments the building. It sounds really good up here. And they only played Frankfurt one other time, four months and 30 years ago. Not only are we glad to be back, we're glad to be fucking alive as well. There are no barricades there, so Ed instructs everybody to be mindful of their surroundings. We're anticipating a great show and just want to say we love you. And he speaks a little bit of German. I don't know if you're the translator on this, but it seems like it got a little bit of a confusing crowd reaction at first. But then he ends it by giving the middle finger. So something good happened. Yeah, I'm I'm not a German scholar, unfortunately. But yeah, the ending where he kind of gets a little worked up and gives the finger. I'm thinking that has to be a, a Putin thing. That would be my guess. Yes. Yeah, that would be my first guess, too. And that's going to take you, why go, Minor Manners, Interstellar, Overdrive into Corduroy. A lot of momentum happening here. Everything building off of each other. I thought personally Interstellar Corduroy was the highlight of the section, but what do you want to talk about here? Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, Corduroy gets to a good place. I thought Ed was very energetic on Corduroy, very excited. The vocals sounded really good. But mostly I think the thing is like, oh, look, it's a Lightning Bolt song. Like we had, we didn't see a lot of those this year. Mind Your Manners is kind of a surprise here. Yeah, you know, they played Mind Your Manners a good amount. I think they played it eight times this year. And my thought with that is I, I kind of thought before the tour was going to happen, if there was going to be a Lightning Bolt hangover song, it was going to be Lightning Bolt because of how well that translated live for the last eight years. And after the first show, they played it in San Diego and it did not go very well. Mike sounded terrific on it, but Ed just got gassed at the end. And you can tell he could not do it. And you can look at his face and he knew he was just like, nope, nope. And they never tried it again. Yeah. And maybe because of that, maybe that was their thought going into the tour because the lighting show that they did during that, it was interesting because they actually had some like little bits of lightning bolts going on, you know, over them in the lights. And I wonder if that was kind of a plan in the beginning. And then once Ed kind of maybe nixed the whole lightning bolt thing, went back and said, all right, well, we need something from this record and it's going to be Minor Matters. Because overall, it's a good transitional song. It keeps the momentum going. And when you're sandwiched in between a 10 song like Why Go and a massive fan-friendly live song with Corduroy, then it's a good glue song to get you in between. But Interstellar Overdrive into Corduroy is the moment for me. And I think that Interstellar Overdrive can't be discredited just because it's before corduroy i think that makes the whole moment feel like a special rare kind of moment too because they don't open with this they don't have that intro every single show it was more of a 2000 kind of thing and when you get it in this era it feels like okay maybe once or twice two times three times a, a tour and yeah it led to a supercharged version of this and you know, he says in, in the middle of the song, absolutely nothing's fucking changed. And there's going to be a couple instances where he brings up Roe v. Wade and, and everything that was happening this summer with that. So you have to think that that was on their mind. And the crowd 
was incredible on it the whole entire way. The hey chants at the end, the whole entire band hopping on stage, huddled around each other. Yeah, big time rock and roll performance for the show. Yeah, I mean, we're going to mention it later. There's no even flow here. So this is kind of the big crowd moment getting into the middle part of the set. That's true. And you kind of need that before getting into the rarest song of the night, which happens to be Fatal. How good is he? is a request and ed says it's from tasmania or from regina who is at her 22nd show and sounds like she's her father's daughter so that's interesting and especially the tasmania part i'm not sure what that's really about but australian something perhaps yeah perhaps she did a lot of traveling to get to her 22 but yeah when you talk about and this got mentioned a couple times when we were talking about everybody and what their moments for rare shows would be any time that fatals in the set list it's almost like you remember every single show it just has that identity where it feels so uncommon it feels so out there that immediately when you say the name of a show buffalo 2010 uh worcester 2013 Benaroya even. Fatal is a top three moment from Benaroya because it was the debut. Everybody can tell you what happened at that show based off of Fatal. And I don't think there's a lot of versions that are electric like this one is. A lot of times though they go for more of the acoustic sound. This one is very much electric and a very kind of faithful version to the one that's on Lost Dogs. I mean, we've seen them kind of like go off a little bit on this and Ed will do some different things, but this one was very, very good. I thought they were very tight on it. It sounded like they'd rehearsed it. It came off very, very well. Yeah, it definitely captured the song's original identity and presence. And, you know, we've listened to other versions in the past of the other eight and a couple of them feel like playing it and just sort of figuring it out on the fly and that didn't really mesh in with the overall aspect of what the song should feel like and this definitely like you can tell that they rehearsed this you can tell that they knew what they were doing with this they knew what kind of sound that they were going for and they absolutely achieved that this was a a tremendous version of Fatal and maybe number two number three to to Benaroya who knows but yeah, this was really fantastic right here. Stone gets a shout out here too. He's very much into this. It's very, very cool to see. 
Stone wrote that one. Yep. He didn't write the next one, but he heard me playing it next door and said it was good, but I didn't really think so. And we've heard that story before, that Ed was kind of isolated in a room during the Versus sessions, and he was just playing acoustic guitar, just messing around with some chords, and Stone said, all right, let's put it to tape and see what you got. And it became elderly woman behind the counter in a small town. Believe it or not, right? That's how these things get created sometimes. A lot of lyric changes in this, you know, kind of talking about the past and like a little bit about the area that they're in and the changes. Lifetimes are catching up with all of us. We're glad we saw this place. Thank you all for taking us. My God, it's been 30 years. Like those are all things that go into being thankful that they're still doing this. And again, sandwiching Fatal, you had Corduroy on the front side and Small Town on the back side. You need that that big crowd moment here before we're going to get into the back half. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of mixing in the hits within all of the uncommon stuff. I mean, you get Dance of the Clairvoyance to kind of follow up after that, and then you would get In My Tree and a Given a Fly. So it's kind of right there, it's, it's a bigger sandwich in between, but... I think they did a really nice job of hitting you unexpectedly and getting you something familiar immediately after. I think this this was a really good balance set. I was concerned a little bit about, and this is interesting, like this is song number nine in the set, and we're getting our first Gigaton song. And this is a storyline for the whole entire year. I think we said it a thousand times when we did the reaction episodes. Where are the Gigaton songs? Every other tour... Lightning Bolt, Mind Your Manners, Lightning Bolt, you know, maybe one or two other, maybe even a Sirens kind of early, who knows. But they hit you with those right at the beginning of the show. Backspacer, they hit you with Gotsam and Fixer right at the beginning of the show. Uh, Avocado, they hit you with Worldwide Suicide, Life Wasted, Marker in the Sand, Severed Hand, The Kitchen Sink from that record early in the show. And here, this whole entire year, basically, there was barely a song until you get to the sit-down sets that kind of help introduce you to the show and it's really not till whoever said got big on this tour that you had like a massive massive moment i mean that's not to frown down upon quick escape at all but whoever said was it and Dance of Clairvoyance being the single, and I think, you know, so many people kind of knew it, but it was also a little bit polarizing because of the sound. I didn't even know what to think of the crowd's reaction on this, because it was really tough to tell. Was there disappointment? Was there like a collective, ah, or was that like a good shock? I couldn't even tell. I think it was more just unfamiliarity, just being like, how is this going to work? Like, it hadn't been played enough for people to know, like, what to do, and it's it's not a song that has big moments in it like some of the other ones do it never kind of developed into that it's more of one of those just spectator songs where you're just kind of watching to see what happens you know ed doesn't really make it into a big thing and he tries at the very end but like that stand back when the spirit comes thing is just so different from anything that you've gotten so far i just don't think people knew what to do with it but yeah this didn't really hit i think at least at this show it felt like this set definitely could have used a, a quick escaper, even whoever said, even though I'm not as high on that song as some other people are. But yeah, 
Dance of the Clairvoyance, I mean, they pulled it off live, and Josh is, we got to talk about Josh doing some vocals and doing some different things there, but it's about the spectacle of just watching it. It doesn't really fit in with the rest of the set where you're being interactive and you're screaming along, and like, I think it's just a different kind of thing. Yeah, those are all really, really good points that I think I was on, like, the peripheral for but I couldn't like articulate that like you did. But I think what's so different about dance is that how it makes you feel at a show and what it makes you feel listening to it. And I know all the lyrics and I was able to sing along, but mostly when I was seeing other people, what they were doing during this, other people just kind of like grooving. They were just kind of feeling, you know, sort of the base of the song. And most of their songs is kind of like headbanging and kind of more jumping and stuff like that. But this is a different reaction, like bodily wise, you know, you don't really dance to Pearl Jam song. You just don't. Yeah, so yeah. I think that reaction is kind of different too and has to be thrown into it because that's some confusion. When you played a couple songs before, you played Corduroy and Why Go? Like those are songs you jump to. Those are songs you have your fist in the air for, you scream to. There's no call and response for dance. So it, it's just a different identity of a normal Pearl Jam show and while it's a very interesting performance I, I love what Josh does the backing vocals and then every time I talk about the song they seem to talk about the layers that they build on at the end same way that the studio album does where Josh is doing like the tape loop as Ed did on Ark and it makes it really unique to witness but yeah I think that it might be tougher to get fans especially of this band that know this band's history and love what this identity of this band is to follow along with this. I think you're right. It is tougher. And I wonder if they notice that. I wonder if they recognize that. And I wonder if they're thinking to themselves for whenever a new record pops up that, okay, we tried something and that's really interesting for our catalog. And maybe it's time to to go back to something else. Maybe it's time to experiment with something that might work a little better live. I don't know. That's not the last gigaton we'll talk about, and four seems like a pretty high total for just 22 in general, but we'll, we'll talk about three others when we get down the line. Here. Yeah, you so, know, we, we're doing these 2022 shows, excited to talk about all this gigaton. We barely got oh, one yeah. last week, <laughs> and then we're getting like just a, a couple this week. It's like, man, I was geared up to talk about these. We're only getting a couple. At least we'll get whoever said in retrograde next week. Yeah, At least yeah. we'll get those next week. So we, we got something. I think the only one that isn't going to be under our belt that we haven't covered yet uh, outside of comes and goes, obviously we'll be all right. Yeah. All right. So we got to find a show sometime with all right to talk about yeah. that. That's a great live song. So Ed goes off script here, makes a change to the set, which is supposed to be never destination, but he moves back a couple of songs and says, all of us have the great experience to witness Matt Cameron up here tonight. And that gets you into the drums of What's going to be a big shock and surprise. The only performance with a little bit of an asterisk because it was a tag on daughter. The only performance of In My Tree this year. Another massive holy shit moment. And, you know, it feels like In My Tree is another one of those songs that somebody could have mentioned on Twitter or Facebook earlier. That it, it is just that fan favorite. I mean, you could speak to that personally as your favorite song. And it's, it's requested often, so it feels like every show that they do something like this, In My Tree, being involved kind of 
brings that sort of value to it. And this version, they were a little rusty on it, I thought. I thought it was kind of clunky in sections. I thought that even Mike Solo at the end kind of tapered off a little bit. But there were good aspects of it. Like I love the extra drum impact that, that Josh had filling the gaps. It kind of had a similar Jack Irons presence that is missed with the song in this era. But yeah, I, I think that they should have utilized this and said, all right, let's work on something and then brought it back one or two other times this tour. I don't think that this would have been the one that we would have all been talking about. Yeah, I think the beginning was a little tentative, a little awkward maybe, but it's about that moment in the middle of the song when it hits and the guitars kick in and it really starts to soar. I think they jumped on that moment and that really elevated it to something really good. here these three right here in the middle i think this is the best part of the show you know i i might not disagree with you there given a fly was really strong and a wonderful song to pair with in my tree and i'm sure they did that back in 98 and 2000 whenever both songs were kind of in heavy rotation but in in my tree and be given to fly is perfect excellent just two soaring songs two mike heavy songs two matt heavy songs and this version especially just soared it really went up and soared and as the song went up the crowd went up the well fuckers chant was terrific the crowd is eating out of the palm of their hands here and they're clapping along and and doing all the call and response things and they're doing all themselves i think that given a fly was certainly a highlight not just of this little section but of the show in general up right where my tree left off and continued it which is hard to do but the more i go on this the more of these we listen to you know i think given a fly might be their best song and it's not my favorite it's up there but 
you look at, at everything around it like it might be their best song. I don't have much of an argument there. Uh, I'm just going to keep it at that. Yeah, I'm just going to give it at that. All right, so you said that these three, this is going to be the last of three, Garden. And you can't talk about Garden without talking about the year that Garden had. I think along with Hard to Imagine, which I think gets a silver medal, and I think Dissonant can even get a bronze medal in that aspect because Dissonant's almost never around a set in the last couple of years. But Garden felt like the one that got the massive revitalization in 2022. And even back here, it kind of feels like, okay, we're getting a 10 deep cut and that's cool. Like this is the cool song to get off 10 instead of getting, you know, Jeremy or something like that. This song was just able to grab different identities as it went along. We remember Ottawa and we remember when they opened up with it in Oklahoma City. And those moments, if you do the evolution of Garden, like those are kind of pivotal moments that you got to talk about there. The first opener and the first time playing it acoustically. But I think versions like this really set the tone for making this a big year for the song. It was a fantastic version, a great mic version, and it just clicked. Garden, I thought, kind of capped off this little section very, very well. Very, very heavy. And after Given to Fly, you kind of need a, a change of pace, a reset. Really hits all the spots that you need Garden to hit on. I thought Matt was terrific on this. Another Ukraine thing, I think someone hands at a, a cardboard sign that has Free yep. Ukraine on, and he's walking around kind of showing it to people. Holds he's it out to the, the camera to guy, the too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, make sure you get this. Yeah, I thought it was great. Like, super heavy and really really cool and like you said not much of 10 is underrated at this point but i think garden may be the one you know along with maybe oceans that which hasn't been played as much but yeah i'd, I'd much rather hear garden than a deep or uh, even an ocean or something like that they've worked it into something really cool this year yep hopefully that train of momentum just keeps going and i think it will because again the 10 factor is always going to play at hand and also, if you feel good about something, then just keep that mojo going. Keep it yeah, going. And, and easy on the voice, too. He can stay in mm-hmm. that kind of lower register that he's comfortable in. Uh, that's right. And if they keep going back with the top five, sit down, then that's where you'll be able to see it. Never Destination's interesting. And I don't know, it's, it's toward the bottom half of the Gigaton songs that I like. I think it's a little bit too long and you always talk about the gigaton songs that are too long and a little bit wordy and you know i I thought that this version had moments in it that were pretty cool but you know it's so hard for ed to it's almost like a long form lucan in a way where you just get tired out by the end of it and yeah, there's so too, many too, lyrics. Too, much, too many words to it. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually very impressed. Like two thirds of the song 
he got through it and sounded really good and then that's a pretty impactful solo part and it's a rubbed up rock song and then he just kind of is like yep that's all i got for that it's got energy and i think a lot of people equate this to tom petty i think it's more of a bruce song Mm. and i think that this is something that probably works better for bruce in a live setting than it does for pearl jam i wouldn't even give it that much credit i don't think it works live i think it this song like i won't say it has no business getting played because they just can't get through it but it never turned into anything special it never had a moment and you know it reminds me of some of the stuff from lightning bolt like a swallowed hole or something like that where it's just never hit with people and like yeah it's it's 25 to 30 percent too long and just doesn't go anywhere yeah, this was the only song I heard in Toronto that I just kind of went into a daze. And I was probably watching it on the screen and just staring and not really paying attention to the song or feeling the song. Yeah, I agree. I think it has little moments that it's like, okay, kind of cool, but it's not going to stick around. You're right. This is going to be a swallowed hole for sure. Evolution, Jeremy, you're going back. You need something after Never Destination. You need these two, the ones that crowd is just going to be like, okay, yep, we're back. And that's why you get good South American chants on this. You know, I'm not sure what kind of pants Ed is wearing, though. Were you able to tell? Because it was something like, yeah, really tough. But just back-to-back easy hits. And I just want to have a second or two talk about Jeremy. It felt like this year, and Jeremy's always been one of those songs that's like take it or leave it. I've seen it before, I've seen it a million times. I think a lot of people feel the same. It's like, all right, we're kind of tired of Jeremy. I'm wondering if 2020 and the lockdown, when everything kind of came back to normal a little bit, Jeremy was kind of seen as one of those like cathartic release sort of songs in the way that Almost Alive is, where the crowd is on top of all those call and response moments. And I go back to the Toronto show too. I don't think I ever saw Jeremy that good with a crowd. It felt like people were just on it and it was a a sense of nostalgia. I think, you know, people going back to MTV in 1992, finding their inner child with it that, you know, maybe during some of the tough times, of the last couple years that like they just wanted uh, you know uh, everybody during this time went back in their basement and collected all their baseball cards together and and wanted to go through their old things and and jeremy is just kind of a time capsule thing like that and people seem to reattach to it i think and that's why jeremy is a sneaky great song not a sneaky good a sneaky great live song from 2022 even more than that, I think it's more of a communal experience for people because you get that big ending where everybody gets to go do the woes and you get that sense that like you're there with 15, 18, 20, 25,000 other people. And yeah, it'll, it'll give you goosebumps if it hits the right way. I think you're right. Yeah, we missed those big communal moments of connecting with people and being in these environments and sharing that experience with people. Jeremy is one of the songs that, like I said, everybody that goes to see Pearl Jam knows Jeremy. That's one of the ones that people want to see. And yeah, we can, you know, some of the people that listen to this, some of the people that have been to 50, 100, 150 shows, maybe sick of it and never want to hear it again. Too bad. You're going to get it. I mean, you're just going to have to deal with the fact that this is a song that people connect with, 
and it's going to be one that if it hits you in the right moment if you're open to it it can be really special and i think yeah this year you know you talked about some songs that had a resurgence i think you can include jeremy in that because it is that big communal moment along with things like alive and porch and better man and things like that it's right there as far as special moments for people at these shows as far as performance goes it definitely got a major major boost from crowds and ed just wants to be part of that crowd in this because he's like are you with me let's go and everybody just does it and the whole room explodes it's it's wonderful it's a phenomenal moment from this show and and even back to the email aversion email aversion was fantastic like yeah jeremy is really good in 2022 period that's it but jeremy is going to transition into you're going to get the crowd all into jeremy all hyped up and then when buckle up kind of it's kind of like a tickling intro a little bit like you're not sure what's happening it kind of hit him with the weird way. ones you know you know ed loves to do that uh-huh and then the crowd does not know what to think about that not a lot of response coming out of jeremy and to buckle up but i guess you know the point here give them a little bit of a a breather like you had evolution and jeremy those are huge and then you're gonna have better man and porch those are massive as well but i think one of the things that I, I really liked about versions of buckle up this year was just ed's very delicate and fragile voice and you know kind of soulful in a way and i think a lot of what goes into him singing this is how would stone sing it i think he's mentioned that before like he wanted to kind of channel how stone would do it because stone wrote the song stone put it together and i, would I love think that's, to hear a stone demo of this with him singing it would be amazing yeah. it would be amazing for sure but yeah, I, I think that kind of added in within the mystique of the song and they were able to play it up and kind of play into that. And while maybe not the best song to mix in between your massive hits, if you want a moment, I think, you know, they did it a couple times in the sit down five or four. I think that's more suited for it, but I don't know if it's totally memorable, but I, I, I like how a lot of things worked with this, especially the ending it kind of slightly starts to pick up the pace towards the end and, and you're like, okay, I hear this. I hear this and this is more than what you think of it and the live aspect. It's, just, it's, it's sneaky, very good. Yeah, I, I really like this song. I think it has a cool vibe, like some of those kind of weird stone songs do, like Fatal, which we talked about, like a Strangest Tribe and things like that, where the song kind of creates a mood and like, yeah, maybe in between Jeremy and, and Better Man is not the best place for it. I can hear that argument, but I just think this is such a cool song that I think it it breaks it up very nicely, and it's such a different thing for what they do, different from Dance of the Clairvoyance. I talked about that being more of a, a spectator thing where you just feel like you're watching a performance and not interacting with it. Buckle up, I think, if they give it a chance, and we'll see if they do, I think it could turn into something, and I'm not saying it's going to, but I think if, if they use it in the right spot, it could be a really good live song. I hope it sticks around.
two other things I like about this real quick is just Josh's role, tambourines and backing yeah. vocals. I yeah. thought had a nice little touch. And then there's a moment where Ed's doing the and you see him, he makes this like slitting his throat gesture. And I thought that that was cool because that's, you know, the song's about a serial killer. So very cool. Nice little touch. Better man is interesting. You know, with all of the great crowd moments from this, the crowd gets to sing along with that like first bit, of course, and going into the chorus. And then there's that transition where Ed's doing the oh, oh, and it feels like the crowd just lays off just to hear him. And I thought that that was wonderful. I don't think I've ever seen the crowd not involve themselves in that moment. And it felt like they took themselves out of it just to see what Ed and listen to what Ed is doing, because it felt you can see it in, in his eyes on that, too. He felt like it was coming from a big, powerful place on that. Like, it's not just a better man version where he's just happy to be there. No, he, he was digging deep in this one. I think he waits and like the crowd obviously will do the album version where they come right in. And a lot of times he'll wait for that moment. And I think you could hear some people of the crowd. There was some portion that came in for the album part and he waited and then came in a little bit later. So maybe that was part of it. He was kind of laying off and letting them have it and then going to take it. But yeah, it was interesting. The song had some turbulence a little bit too, and, and it does end up great. It does end up great at the end, but you know, that whole part before they get into the save it for later tag that, Oh, 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 usually that part. And I'm not talking about the spot where they do save it for later. Usually that's still within the main progression of the chorus, but they somehow stumbled across the way and end up doing that in the actual tag. It felt a little clunky. It felt like right hand didn't really know what the left hand was doing for a minute or two, but they saved themselves because this is one of the rare and few performances where Save It For Later is the full actual lyrical version of Save It For Later, not the just don't run away part. Yeah, this one, it didn't feel as anthemic as Better Man usually does. And, you know, I think probably for the reasons that you mentioned. But, yeah, the the save it for later and the call and response is, is the big moment on this. It could have been a near disaster, and they found a way to to keep it alive. It wasn't a perfect version, obviously, but it was on life support and they finished it. So I guess give them the credit for that. All right. Now we're on the main set closer here, and that's going to be Porch. A bit of a stomp before getting into it, which was kind of fun, I guess. But also, you mentioned sort of Porch intros, and that's a big topic. You know, half the time we talk about Porch on the show. And in 2022, it felt like real riffy kind of Porch was over with. And it seemed like 
the fast porch and the riffy porch kind of shook hands and made a deal and said, all right, this version is what you get from now on. And it's, it's, it's not fast porch. It's not really in the same territory as fast porch, but it is a little bit different and it's not the riffy stuff is playing it up too much. I, I like how they can just go with it and they can just go with it and do it and not be yeah. a little too over cheesy with it. I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's not the porch blues. That's like based off of that. My generation blues that we mentioned and talked about from the earlier days, he took that intro and just sped it up super fast to match the tempo of the song and then kicks into it this is still not the one two three four go but you know it's it's a nice compromise for the people who are kind of sick of that i can see where it does ramp up more of the energy and gets you going and kind of builds into the song a little better so it's a nice compromise i thought that the moment that i love from this and i remember this from watching the live stream is mike going to that curtain on the far you know his yep. his far right yep. And getting the spotlight moment, because again, you know, they don't really do that kind of thing. But I, I wonder if that was set up. I wonder if he saw it and was just like, yeah, better take advantage in a big solo moment. And he went over there, got his own spotlight, and it felt like a real mic show in that aspect. Yep. You know, just put it all on him, let him go, and let him do it. You get the whole shining a light from the pick guard with Ed onto the crowd. And you do see before they break back into the course that Mike has already pulled out his Polaroid to take some pictures, which was interesting. Mike is on his knees, I think, for some of this. He's summoning all the demons out of that thing that he, that he can. Gets a little bit spacey, I thought, during the jam part. But yeah, like you said, it, it's it's the Mike show all around. I think Porch is what it is this year. It's, it's the big end of the set moment. And I'm just going to throw this out there because they're in the bubble. And they're not really going into the crowd. And also, this this show had no barricade. You don't get Ed going on top of the crowd and holding somebody by the wrist and singing on top right. of them. 2022, it just doesn't happen. Who knows what's going to happen with that going forward. But also, at the end, if you catch it, a little snippet, very short, of nobody's fault but mine. If you catch it. Oh, really? Okay, no, I didn't catch that. Just a little no, 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 no. And that's it. Like, he doesn't even go into another part. That's yeah. it. All right, we're at the Encore. Let's pause for station identification and thank a couple people that joined Patreon this week. And it was a nice week for Patreon because we were able to put out our WMA Evolution episode, which we're really proud of, of course. And another Evolution episode is coming very soon. Maybe as you're listening to it, it might be out. We can't tell you what that is. Because we like surprises, and we just wish for you to be surprised. But we can promise you that a lot of people are going to appreciate this one. It is one that, all I can say is that it has a connection to 2022, so I'll just leave that there. Let's thank some people before we move forward into other things. I'm going to thank Andy Lore for joining up on the Horizon tier. Thank you so much to Andy. I actually know Andy because we met in St. Louis. He was doing one of Tanya's photos with the Pearl Jam fan portraits. So I got to interview him. I got to talk to him and his brother a little bit. And both of them were great, great guys. And I told him about the show and he's like, yeah, I'm going to follow you guys. I really like it. And, you know, I've seen him a little bit on, on Facebook and stuff. So we're, we're just glad to have you aboard, Andy. That's great. Hope to get to talk to you and see you again soon. And we also have Linda Lopez to thank. Thank you so much, Linda. 
as well as Josh Goldberg. I think I believe I've talked to Josh on Twitter before. So thank you so much to all you brand new patrons. Take advantage of all that stuff. There's all good stuff. Like I said, Evolution episodes, probably the best. Bridge School, that's a little old by now, but you can still go through that and get all of the breakdown of the Bridge School shows. Yeah, some other great stuff too, like the set list drafts that we always release there first. And this week coming up, as I should mention, is going to be the live stream of the set list draft on Facebook on the 18th. If you are part of the Pearl Jam podcast community group on Facebook, then you will want to see what goes down. It's going to start at 9 Eastern time, and the way we do it is total and utter chaos. So you're, you're going to want to watch because it's a great train wreck. It's an entertaining train wreck. So that's all I'll say about that. But yeah, we have our four winners now, and congratulations to them all. And they'll all be going head-to-head and basically killing themselves to to go and get a championship of this. Very fun, and, and we're really excited to do it again in a couple months. And if you guys are interested, just send us a line if you want to be in part of the set list draft and uh, we will get you in. We'll stick you in there. Yeah. Thanks to the new patrons. That's, that's amazing. We got three this week. Thank you guys so much. Always. Yep. And you know, we know how hard a time of year December can be. So that means it's so much more special to us that you guys are on board and, and just thinking about us. So that's great. And, you know, we're going to do the holiday party tomorrow if you're listening to this on Wednesday, so or if you're listening to this on Thursday, we're going to do it today. I think everybody should come. It's a celebration of community. It's a celebration of our very unique fandom. And even for us, sort of the niche community that we create. And, you know, it's just good to get together. Holiday times, you know, it's tough because I think all of us sort of feel a special connection. And a lot of people that we've met, not just on tour this year, but that we've kind of met through the internet and got to hang out with on zoom or, you know, through other means that, you know, you just become close with all these people. And since there's one person in Connecticut, there's one person in Georgia, there's one person in Iowa, there's one person in, in Michigan, like all of these people can't get together for one big party in person. So, you need to all come together for something, and that's what's going to happen tomorrow night. It is on Zoom, and all you have to do to get a Zoom link is get in touch with me. And that's live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. You can email or just send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and I'd be happy to get back to you and, and send you a link. And really, it's for everybody. I know we did a gift exchange, and it's not just for the gift exchange people. It's for everybody that just wants to enjoy their time with other Pearl Jam fans. So it should be a really, really good time, and can't wait to host it. So if you want to join Patreon, it is patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the patreon app and search for live on four legs or live on four legs.com and click the become a patron button which will take you back to patreon.com slash live on four legs see how that all works we should mention the tiers here you can join up for one dollar a month and that will get you access to all the exclusive content and first dibs for things like set list drafts and the likes And if you donate $5 a month, you get to have an episode of your choosing. Whatever show that you think is a great show that you want us to cover, we'll cover it. And all you got to do is join up on the Gigaleg tier. 
And then for the Horizon Leg patrons, it's $10 a month. You guys will get a profile on our website. You guys will also get your own personal profile that we put on our Patreon. And you will also get an episode for us to cover as well that'll get pushed up the list a little bit because of your kind donation that you make. So all that great stuff and just pushing along here and glad we get the sport that we do week in week out. So that's all we got to say. One other thing I want to add here. I hope you guys are following up on live on four and checking out the top 100 pieces. The part three just came out a couple days ago and yeah, these have been a lot of fun. Again, another thing that I wanted to make sure the entire community got itself involved in and, and all pitched in and, and told their stories and talked about stories of the songs too. And we're going to get a lot of good ones for part four. I think there's going to be a lot of songs where people that were within, and we had that on part three as well, that were within the story of the song being played, that a story to tell, are going to be telling their stories. So you may want to check that out. It's all very good and thank you all for supporting that little function of ours all right back to the rock we only got four songs left here but this first one out of the gate is going to have a long long discussion here it's all going to be a long speech and it goes back to the whole ukraine thing but i want to bring up a running joke of the tour that we kind of mentioned river cross was always crossed off and we're just like when are they going to do it when are they going to do it this is crazy and that kind of led to everybody saying, well, the pump organ guy that's that's lugging this thing out on stage, like he's he's got to make his money somehow, throw him a bone, you know, like at least use the damn thing if he's lugging it out every show. They finally play it here and again, theme for the whole night being Ukraine. And then we get a really nice speech that Ed goes through here. Some of the highlights is just. I wonder if we'd live better lives. I wonder if we wouldn't get so upset if we didn't read the news in the morning. There's things happening back in the United States, like women's rights and the ability to plan for their future. And, you know, I wonder if we wouldn't be disgusted by gun violence that happened every day back in our country. It's sick to see. And if we just woke up and came to this and did this every day, it would be the greatest life in the world. But if we did that, we would be ignoring some of the issues that our fellow humans are going through. It's very important to be aware, important to be active, important to send your energies to the people who need them because you never know who's going to be the one who needs other people's energies. It also mentions the G7 says that this one is dedicated to Ukraine. I always thought I'd cross that I used to tell time by my 
River Cross was an emotional moment at just about every show it was played this year. And really, that was the identity that I was hoping for. And I know they played it at one of the Ohana shows, and I just think it was just played for the sake of being played. We didn't get a speech before it. Ed was backwards hat and seemed like he was goofing around a little bit. So we didn't get that powerful feel that the song brings. But every time he talked about it this year, Ukraine was mentioned. Yeah, the song took on an extra meaning in Europe. It really became one of the running stories of this tour is him taking River Cross and making it about that moment. You know, they were projecting the Ukrainian flag on the big screens a couple of times, I think. River Cross is is a special performance here. You know, we've mentioned this crowd a lot throughout this night and how good they were. And there's some moments in River Cross where, especially early on, where you can hear a pin drop. Like everyone is is listening, everyone is paying attention, everyone is kind of being very reverent and really kind of being in the moment in this performance. And then as it goes on, you hear the guitars, like especially Mike. Mike comes in and starts to get a little heavier with it, and it's that big moment when Ed gets up from the organ and goes to the microphone and then the song kind of breaks and, and the wave crashes of it and it's this is really special I, I think this is one of the best performances of this throughout the year I mean I know that they did a couple you know we talked about as they got closer and closer to Ukraine that were very special but this one felt like a big special moment it's a really good performance when Ed got off the pump organ and just sort of led the crowd who had the fireflies going and every time the song was played you were able to see him out and you know just made for a picturesque visual with you know what they were in and the place that they were playing just beautiful and it really it lit up the place too you know it looked like the lights were on the house lights almost and it kind of felt like you know the whole share the light won't hold us down it kind of felt like he was going over a mantra or a prayer or something like that and matt then has that ukraine flag on his kit and you know josh is going through some extra percussion that sounded really good and it just brings you exactly to the place that you would think a moment like helping out ukraine and and dedicating it to something like that would would take you it encapsulates all that and what a beautiful song and i think that it's again not something that they do on a regular album basis all the time so this is in itself a little bit experimental for Pearl Jam and it works it works because the whole entire crowd feels exactly what you're doing maybe in a different way than what they were trying to do with Dance of Clairvoyance or two completely different songs I know but this one gets your attention
three songs left, and the whole idea of this encore was that it was either going to be River Cross or Crazy Mary. The organ lugger would probably say, you're not doing Crazy Mary tonight, unless Boom wants to get on this thing and go solo, then you're not doing Crazy Mary. And then it was either State of Love and Trust or Even Flow, and they went with River Cross and State of Love and Trust. And that's the last three songs of the set. State, then Alive, then Indifference. There are no covers at the show, believe it or not. There were a couple shows this year that didn't have any covers. So Yeah, yeah I remember a couple. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I like this. It just felt like another show with another big celebration, another final moment where everybody is together and know that it's going to end. And who knows the next time that they're going to come back to Frankfurt and they're just taking it all in, you know, they love alive. They love state of love and trust. I know there's a point where there's a dude during, I think it was alive that is just crowd surfing. He looks it looks like in between 250 and 300 pounds. And Ed's like, watch it, watch, watch it. He's a big one. And it's just that every, everybody is into it. He was probably putting a lot of people in danger, but everybody. The look on his just... face is hilarious. There you see him. He kind of like gives him the side eye, like the head's turned a little bit. Right. Like, yeah, that's a funny, funny moment. Yeah. And it just seemed like everybody was kind of soaking in the moment. We get more Mike Polaroids too. I want to go back to State for a minute. This version of State of Love and Trust, I thought it started out a little bit awkward. Maybe they're just a little not sure what to do after River Cross, but this is one of the most anthemic versions of State of Love and Trust that I've ever heard. It sounded really, really big. A huge sing-along again. I think maybe after everyone was kind of quiet for River Cross, you know, when State of Love and Trust starts, it's kind of that big explosion of like, oh, you know, this is another one that everybody knows. And it felt like a big moment at this show, State of Love and Trust, a big anthemic moment. We don't usually get that with State of Love and Trust. You know, normally it's it's a fast run through and, and Mike is going crazy, but this one felt like it had a little more weight and a little more heaviness to it that like you would expect from something like a live or even like a black. I'll see your State of Love and Trust and I'll raise you alive. And I think Josh, whenever he's playing back there, it kind of feels like he is a little bit at the kids' table behind, you know, like he's mm-hmm. in the background. And, and that's what he's there for. That's what he's there for. But the dude can do everything. Everybody that has followed the Chili Peppers for the last 10 years knows what he can do and knows how good he is. So this, I believe, was the first time that he actually got to take Mike's guitar and play and do a solo in a song. And it sounded incredible it sounded great and he's a different style than the band of course and it doesn't sound anything like mike but i think that just implementing in with with the with the rest of the bunch i think that it showed that josh can mesh with the guys and you know i don't see him doing this a lot i see him doing it in like you know big moments where they need a third guitar player or something like that or even a fourth which i think we saw once or twice and that just felt like the whole entire band having fun and Mike wanting to take Polaroids because he never wanted to forget something like this. Of course, the place that they're playing in, you have to soak it in and, and you know, keep the memories safe. But yeah, Josh, Josh rips it to shreds here. And I thought that that was fantastic. And we also get a little gift that Ed gets in somewhere in here. There's a sunflower a legit sunflower, as far as I can tell. I don't know if it's real or fake, but it looked pretty real. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. somebody hands it on stage to Ed. And, you know, if you're looking in the crowd, it's it's pretty big. So Ed's like, yeah, okay, give me that. And he holds it for a little while. I believe he puts it in his back pocket or something like that and then gives it back. But uh, that's something pretty unique that you don't see at a show very often. Yeah, a little bit of a sweet kind of tender moment in a song that, that usually is, is the big rock moment. You don't usually expect that. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, Josh is the big talking point here. He comes in and just tears apart that solo and kind of lets Mike go do his Polaroid thing all around. You know, again, going back to how amazing of a venue this is, I'm sure Mike was was more than happy to just go take some pictures and bask in the moment a little bit. Yeah, this is a really good version of Alive. It felt earned. It felt like they were excited to have made it through this set. And it felt like they knew that they were back on track, like back onto something in a groove, like you mentioned at the beginning. It felt like they were having fun. And indifference is going to close your night here. They turn the lights on. Obviously, there's some tambourine thrown around because you don't have like the tambourine song in Baba or Rockin' in the Free World. So it's one last one. The crowd gets an opportunity to sing big. But also, I, I wonder if this is the reason why they chose indifference for this show, because Ed thanks the crowd and says it does make a difference. And, you know, that kind of is a great bow on the whole entire night that is about the serious situation that's going on in a country that Russia is trying to take over and steal their property, essentially. And we've all done what we could to support them and continue to. And it's just been an ongoing, scary situation. I think that him saying that after indifference put it all in perspective of what this night was about, I think. This did feel like more of an indifference night than a Yellow Lit Better sure. or a Rocket in the Free World or something. Rare songs. Yeah. yeah. And then Jeff at the end has the Ukraine flag draped around yeah. him, and Mike has a set list tape to his shirt, which is, hey, that's Mike. So, yeah, some cool things happening over here. Some cool things. And that's the end of our show. And now we're going to get into a top three. Kick us off, John. Oh, my top three is going to be Fatal, number three. I'm going to say Given to Fly, number two, and River Cross, number one. There are a lot of honorable mentions in this set. Sure. And I think some of them, Garden is an honorable mention. Interstellar Overdrive and Corduroy. Even River Cross, I think, is going to be an honorable mention for me. I'm going to say number three is Fatal. Anytime it comes up, it definitely turns heads and it's a special moment, especially the way that they played it felt, you know, very, very crisp and and right in that wheelhouse of the original. I'm going to also agree with Given a Fly here. I really like this version of Given Fly too. So that's, that's going to be number two. And I absolutely cannot get over the, the opener to the show. Inside Job was the moment for me from this show because right away it tells you what it's going to be. Inside Job is also one of my favorite songs, so to get all that package together is just a perfect way to introduce you to what Frankfurt 2022 was. All right, with all that being said, now let's rate the thing. This one, it does have some very good moments, but we've had a lot lately that we've given very, very high rankings to. This one I, I don't think is quite in that rarefied air if you will, but I'm, I'm going to give this one a solid eight. Yeah, I, I kind of, I was going back and forth on a couple of two and while I think it's important for 2022, I'm not sure if in the grand scheme of things, 
it's that kind of show. It's a good show. It's a great show, even. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm falling just short of a nine. I'm at eight and a half. I'm at eight and a half in this, and eight and a half is always. I mean, those shows are going to be terrific. Like those are always ones to go back on, and and this being a B plus kind of show is is not a bad thing at all. It's you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably even top five, top seven of the year, and and an important one, of course. But you know, grand scheme of things, that you, you kind of have to put it up against a little bit of that. There's there's all sort of things that can go into ratings and. You know, that might be an excuse for the day, but I'm going to say eight and a half. Perfectly fine score for the show. Well, guys, it has come to this. We're really at the end of 2022 here, and we really don't have much more to do. But since we did the West Coast leg last week and we did the European leg this week, well, what's the next thing? We got to do a show from the September leg because, well, I went to six of them, so... You know, that helps, but this one especially is probably the crown jewel of what September shows were. And I'm very thankful that people decided to vote for it and agreed with us, and we probably would have wanted to do it anyway, but this is going to be great. John, I don't think we've talked about a show on this podcast that we had both been to together and both experienced together. That's so true. this will be very interesting. St. Louis is next week. Very much looking forward to it. 100%. We'll have a lot of stories to tell. This will be very personal for both of us. Yep. All right. If you guys like what we're doing, then subscribe on Apple or Spotify or any podcast platform that lets you subscribe. Just keep tabs on what we're doing. And maybe there's something else in the future that you'll say, oh, I want to listen to that show. And boom, put it in your podcast player and enjoy the entertainment. And hey, if you if you feel that we deserve a rating for this, that we do a good job on this and you want other people to know how we're doing, then the best way to do that is to rate the show. And hopefully you guys decide that we have earned the five stars and I'll let, let that be up to you guys to decide that. But if you want to give us the five stars, obviously highlight all five of them. And that's, that's where we'll be on that. And that's very wonderful that you guys will decide that. And then if you want to leave us a comment on Apple, that really helps us out because then a lot of people are going to see it. They're going to read, you know, what other people think about this show because, you know, we've had a, we've got a couple of bad apples, not very many, but I think we had like three people give us a one. So that kind of brings down our score just a little bit. So it's good to have positive comments in there to tell people that, Hey, this might be a 4.8, but other people think it's a five so let that be as it may but if you're interested in telling people that they should listen to us you know positivity breeds positivity and if somebody likes something then they'll follow the next person to do something and on and on and on so yeah if that's something that you want to do we will be very thankful for that and we'll send you a little gift as a thank you A lot of stuff happening in the next couple of days. Remember, holiday party. It's on the 15th, Thursday the 15th at 9 Eastern. And then we got the setlist draft live stream, chaos setlist draft. That's going to be live streamed over on the Pearl Jam podcast community group on Facebook on Sunday the 18th, again at 9 Eastern. And the only other thing you need to know is St. Louis for next week. 
So, with that being said, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, miss you always. What's going to be the last thing that you say at the end of this episode, John? Go, Josh, go. Go.